Good morning, Concha Hawk and Vineyard Church family. It's great to be together with you this morning or this afternoon or whenever you've gotten to listen to this broadcast today. Welcome to CBC Online. I am Teresa Moyer. I'm the associate pastor here at Concha Hawk and Vineyard Church. And once a month, we take a little time of rest, as is our custom and our value to rest. And we give our volunteers a rest and do an online service. So welcome to our online service. It's been a lot going on in the world this week. There have been hurricanes, floods, wars, rumors of wars. Sometimes the news takes on biblical proportions. The biggest news for me this week took place in England. This week, the people of Great Britain laid to rest their longest reigning and most beloved monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. Now, my mom is only a few years younger than Queen Elizabeth, and I've heard her say many times, I feel like I know her. I mean, I grew up with her. And many of us who watched The Crown feel like we've come to know her too. In the Queen's 96 years on this earth, she witnessed so many remarkable changes on the planet. But unlike others her age, she was the only one who had to reign an empire over an empire for 70 of those years. She ruled through so many floods, famines, wars, and rumors of wars. She ruled through the social changes of the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s the financial and technological changes of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, and the social media changes of the last 20 to 30 years, while her family was often sport for the masses. And through it all, she remained true to her principles and her people, learned from their responses to her leadership, was strong but pliable, serious but not without humor, and faithful to her beliefs when everyone around her seemed to lose their moorings. I would say that Queen Elizabeth was resilient. As a matter of fact, the LA Times called her reign a resilient monarchy. What is resilience? I mean, what does it look like? One common but mistaken belief is that resilience stems from an optimistic outlook. But that simply isn't true. Research tells us that in the Nazi war camps, it isn't the optimistic people who survived but it was the ones who looked the reality in the eye and moved on and moved through it. It was actually the optimists who were more likely to have died, presumably from a broken heart. Diane Coutu of Harvard Business Review writes, resilient people possess three characteristics, a staunch acceptance of reality, a deep belief often buttressed by strongly held values that life is meaningful and an uncanny ability to improvise. As to the first quality, one writer said the queen accepted reality and openly dealt with the challenges presented. She did not stick her head in the sand. As to the second characteristic of deeply held beliefs, a month before she passed, the Queen issued a message to the Lambeth Conference, which is a gathering of bishops of the Anglican Church, in which she testified, throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide, and in them I find hope. It is my heartfelt prayer that you will continue to be sustained by your faith in times of trial and encouraged by hope in times of despair. And to the third quality of the ability to improvise, one financial publication said the Queen Elizabeth will be remembered for her amazing dignity and 
and adapting to changing times. Clearly, Queen Elizabeth was a model of resilience. And today, we're going to take a look at how God gives us his resilience. And no one is more resilient than God himself. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for filling us with your resilience over and over as we learn to come to you, take everything we have concerns about, everything we're worried about, lay it upon you, and you pour yourself into us. Will you do that in our community today and for the rest of eternity as we move toward the coming of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Amen. Two weeks ago on our church's anniversary, I was asked to share a God story about how God has taught me to rest over the last eight years. And I promised that I would go into that with a little more depth in my next sermon. I had explained that learning certain spiritual disciplines or practices is a big part of how I have been learning to rest and to trust in God. There's a reason why Psalm 23 is the identifying scripture for our community. Psalm 23 for the people of Route 23. Why? Because rest brings trust and resilience. What is resilience? We've seen the characteristics of it, but what actually is the definition of it? Well, the American Psychological Association says that resilience is a process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. And in these days, we need God's resilience. Anyone out there having trouble adapting to difficult or challenging experiences? How about mental, emotional, or behavioral flexibility? Is that coming easily? Are you finding it easy to adjust to the internal and external demands of life? I would say for many of us, it's a tall order right now. I don't know about you, but sometimes my reserves can seem pretty low. Years of trauma from global issues have left us a bit low in our reserves. And this can have serious outcomes if we don't address it. We need more resilience in our life. And I've been learning about the resilience that God offers to his people through this free app and its corresponding book by John Eldridge. It's called, the book is called Resilient, and the app is called The One Minute Pause, 30 Days to Resilience. Eldridge wrote this book partly as a response to post-pandemic realities. He writes that although most of us think the pandemic is over, as a therapist, he doesn't believe we have yet paid the bill for the trauma we've all experienced. Never before has there been so much need for resilience. Interestingly, just this week in the news, I heard that the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force says for the first time, the first time in history, that adults under the age of 65 should be screened regularly for anxiety. That the COVID-19 pandemic led to a surge of new anxiety and depression. And a recent CDC report found that adults 18 to 44 were least likely to have received treatment for mental health in 2019, but became the most likely in 2021. We 
need God's resilience in these times. Eldridge says people want things to return to normal, that people are trying to find all sorts of ways to get back to normal. I know that for myself, this is true. I've done more traveling in the past year than I think I had done in the past five years before the pandemic. But like others, I'm finding that the things I'm trying just aren't really satisfying me. Without God's resilience, we can have serious issues happening inside of us. Our dissatisfaction can lead to disillusionment. And without God imparting his resilience to us, we can fall away. We need to get back to the source of life to find God's resilience. And that's what we're going to take a step toward today because we need God's resilience in these times. And God gives it to us in the person of himself. What does he say about himself? He is the river of life. He is the giver of life. The river of living water. And when we come to Jesus, he said, we too can have living water emanating out from the center of us. God's presence gives us resilience at this very specific point in history. And ignoring this need may mean that we may not be able to withstand what life throws at us next. I thank God for mental health workers. But do you know there's a shortage of mental health workers in America right now? Do you know there's a four, six-month-plus wait list? My friends who are mental health workers have no room in their schedule. They could work full-time every day, all week, and still not meet the need. God has more to offer us than we yet realize. And this is the point of that book I was referencing, that we are living now in God's story. we got to wake up to this reality. And it's the resilient person that looks reality in the eye and faces it. It's important to realize where we are in the passage of this great biblical epic that started in the Garden of Eden. You see, no one gets to live outside of the storyline of God. No one. Eldridge also poses a very difficult but relevant question. What if things don't go back to normal? What if, like those folks down in the islands who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona this week, what if we have to handle more coming down the pike? Do we have enough reserves to face what might be next? Why, during this time in history, do we feel so challenged, so worn down? Well, recently in this meditation app, I learned of a prophetic scripture in the book of Daniel. Now, I don't ever remember reading it before, but I know I must have because I've read the whole book of Daniel. It was a great revelation to me about where we are in this great biblical story. Speaking of the devil, the Antichrist, Daniel wrote, he will defy the Most High God and wear down the saints with persecution, and he will try to change all the laws, all the morals, all the customs, all of a sudden, all the chaos we've been living through at this moment on our planet 
became clear to me. It's like somebody drew the curtain back, like in The Wizard of Oz, you know, when Toto goes and moves the curtain and you can see what's behind the scenes. The enemy of God is working to wear us down and trying to change all the laws, morals, and customs that God had established as good. Everything's on its head these days. Why else would there be so much confusion, so much conflict, so much attrition, so much violence? Why are so many people believing God is irrelevant, but that they're happy to pursue any other means of spiritual fulfillment? As Rich pointed out last week, some of the attrition in the church is due to the sinful nature of men and women who have been in God's service. We have to look that reality in the face. But I think something more is going on here. I think there's a story unfolding. Do you remember when Rich said last week that we need to contend for the faith? Why is it so hard in this day and age to contend for our faith? There is something happening on the earth that in the past, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, I might have said, oh, we see patterns like this all the time. People's faith ebbs and flows, and then God does a great move of the Spirit, and everybody comes back to the Lord, and God, I hope that's going to be what's next. I hope a great, powerful surge of the Holy Spirit happens, and people flock back to the church. So be it. But the Scripture says he will try to change all the laws, morals, and customs. And it seems to me that this is really where we are. People are losing their moral grounding. And personally, I can't see things going back to the ways of the past. Maybe for some of us, if we stay close to the Lord and he can revive our lives and refresh us with a new uh, surge of the Holy Spirit, but for the world, I can't see us going back. I can't find a decent thing to watch on, on Netflix. Everything is, is trying to become more edgy, more, more foul, more violent. Why? God's ways are no longer valued in our culture. Last week, we were amazed at the Fun Fest as crowds of people sought out information from the booths offering tarot card readings, witchcraft supplies, little families with children. Witchcraft supplies, other types of spirituality, great fascination in their eyes. Without an understanding of the evil behind these things, people are drawn to this stuff. And the word evil is unkind, unenlightened, intolerant. When did that happen? Not only has truth as a principle disappeared from our culture in the past 20 years, but so is the idea of evil. Have you noticed? Here's another translation of that Daniel verse. He will speak against the Most High God. This translation says, defy the Most High God, wear down the saints. This translation says, speak against the Most High God. What do you think is going on in people's minds? And oppress the holy people. Rich said last week, the battle goes on between our ears. People's minds are being impacted by what the enemy has leashed on the earth. And people who stand by the words of God are the ones who, more often than not, can be perceived as evil. What has happened? But God has told us this will happen in the end times. And that is the time 
that Daniel is describing here. I've been thinking about the end times for a long time, probably most of my life. I don't know that I'll live to see it. I don't know that you'll live to see it or your children will live to see it. Nobody knows the time or the hour. But we can see some things that God highlighted for us to pay attention to. And without learning to rest and contend for the faith, we could be in danger in these times. Without rest, there is no resilience to contend with. And we need God's resilience in the end times. It is the rest of God that helps us find the resilience of God. This is what spiritual practices do for us. They help us find rest and resilience, release our stuff to God and let him into our stuff. We focus our hearts on Jesus, loving him and learning this biblical story of which we are a part. Rather than focusing all of our hearts and minds on everything we're carrying around. God offers to carry them for us as he guides us in paths of right living for his name's sake. Look, his reputation is riding on it. He leads us well as we trust in him. But we've got to look reality in the eye. What if life as we know it has actually made us less resilient than generations past? What if it's a generation who pushes a button or an image and our wishes are granted, or as some have called us, the overnight delivery generation? What if we haven't really learned or developed resistance, a resilience like our ancestors had to? What if we've just been made soft by the conveniences of our lives? Now, I know I sound like a baby boomer, and actually, I kind of am. I was born in the last few years of the baby boomer generation. But what if there's some truth in this? What if we all just need more resilience? Do we have enough for what comes next? Or will we, like so many we see, fall away from God? God forbid. We need God's resilience in the end times. You know, the apostles in the first century were writing about the end times then. First Peter says, the end times, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. In the first century, he wrote this. John wrote in his first epistle, Dear children, this is the last hour. Now, we either have to like schluff this off as saying these guys were wrong, or maybe we have to take a step back, have some humility, and realize if they were in the last hour, maybe we are in the last seconds. There's good reason to think we might be. You know, towards the end of his time on earth, the apostles asked Jesus, when would the end come? When would you return in your kingdom glory to set up your eternal kingdom? And he told them not to worry. He told them there would be lots of famines and wars and rumors of wars, lots of false messiahs claiming to be him, but we weren't to get distracted from the kingdom work or to be afraid. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he also gave us one particular sign that we could depend on that we are getting near the end of the age. And it's one we really need to pay attention to because it's never happened before. In Matthew 24, verse 14, 
Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. When I was a young girl and I learned about Jesus, I was like, ah, the end is a long way off. Look, look at all these people that need to be reached for Jesus. We're going to be here forever. But this sign is very straightforward. And here's what's interesting. There's a leader of missions organization. His name is Douglas Cobb, and he wrote a book, And Then the End Will Come the completion of the Great Commission, and nine other clues that Jesus is coming soon. And he wrote this last year. He wrote that as recently as 2015, there were still more than 1,400 groups with no known Christians. But today, there are only a few hundred unengaged groups remaining. And hundreds of people groups are being engaged by the gospel every year. The church may reach all of the remaining groups by the end of this year, 2022, or shortly thereafter, we may be closer than we realize. And avoiding this reality will not change it. The resilient look reality in the eye with faith and trust and know from where the resilience comes. It's not going to come from within myself. I've got to go to God and get it. I need the living water to walk through the end of this story. Chapter 25 of Matthew, Jesus told a parable. And it was about a wedding. And if you know the scriptures, you know that he's always referring to when his bride, the church of Jesus, comes home to him forever. This is the great wedding feast of heaven. And he's talking about this feast when he tells this parable. And he said the groom was kind of far away, and there were bridesmaids waiting for him. That's us. And as he took his time coming back to the great feast, some of the, the bridesmaids kept their torches full of oil and had an extra jar in case what was in their torch ran out. But some of them didn't, and they didn't keep their jar full of oil awaiting his return. Now, in Scripture, oil always talks about the Holy Spirit. It is always telling us about God's presence. And Jesus is warning us as his followers, we need to stay full of him to be able to withstand the end so that when the time comes, we are so full, we go right in, and we won't fall away. And those people who didn't have the oil, they begged for those who had the oil to give them some, but it wasn't possible to do that. You can't take what's inside yourself and pour it into somebody else. You have to find that oil and fill, let the Lord fill us ourselves. We need God's resilience in the end times. We're designed to run on the oil of God. Without him, we're running on fumes or our own flesh. That can get very messy. Have you ever driven without oil in your car? I have. There was an oil leak in my dad's car that I was driving. All the oil left. I knew nothing about it. The entire engine seized. The engine melted down on Route 95 going north, and the car was totaled. It's a miracle I'm alive. 
We need the oil of God. We need God's resilience in these end times. So how do we stay full of the oil of God? To find resilience, we need to get through this time of history. Well, I'm going to recommend two things. First, you start with stable rhythms of rest. You know, do you know resilient people in Jesus? I guarantee you them. I guarantee us that they have found reliable rhythms of rest. Sabbath rest weekly. Do something you love. Invite God to do it with you. Connect to him as you do what you love. Do it with your family. Do it alone. But enjoy it and know it's a gift from God. Points of rest and connection each day can be like stopping at a gas station to get topped off with our fuel. Lately, I have added one more practice, and I learned it through this app I mentioned earlier. And it's very simple. The app is so easy. You do 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. You're totally guided through it, 10 minutes at night. It's really wonderful. I highly recommend it. The easiest way to learn what I'm talking about is just to download it and check it out. But the most wonderful prince, uh, a spiritual practice that I have been practicing, and I'm telling you, I'm practicing it like I don't even know how many times a day. Whenever I feel stressed, it takes about 15 seconds. And it's called benevolent detachment. Benevolent means to want or wish or will something good or honorable. And detachment means to separate or untie, as you know. So benevolent detachment is the goodwill to untie ourselves from the things that clutter our minds and our lives, our worries, our concerns, in order to gain something better. When we detach from the things that weigh us down, we can attach ourselves more to the life-giving oil and presence of God himself. And as we release everyone and everything we know that we're carrying to God, we then ask him to come in with his oil, with his living water, to nourish and flood us and carry our lives. It goes something like this. First of all, we quiet ourselves and we dial in recognizing what our emotions are, not living by them, but acknowledging them. And then giving them to the Lord, telling him where you are. Recognizing what we're carrying and simply saying, Lord Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. I give everything and everyone to you, Lord. And then the second part is the best. We focus on Jesus and just tell him we love him. This may be awkward at first, but it's easy to do once you've done it once or twice. Lord Jesus, I love you. I really love you, Lord. I love you. And in time, we start to feel his presence refilling us because he's carrying our stuff, and we can trust him to carry it. It's a place of rest and restoration, and rest brings his resilience into us as he pours out to us his glory, his love, and his kingdom power. We need his resilience in these end times. Benevolent detachment helps us practice what the apostle Peter taught us to do. It's not irresponsible. It's obedient to cast our cares on Jesus. It makes room for him. Because when our concerns are weighing us down, there's very little space for God. But when we get more of God into us, 
we're refreshed and restored by his glory, his power, and his love. And we find his resilience building in us. And we need his resilience in these end times. Let's pray. Teach us your ways, O Lord. Teach us your ways. We need you in this period of your story. Let us walk out our role in this great biblical drama with complete dependence on you for everything we need. Come, Lord. Take your rightful rule. We ask it in Jesus' name. So friends, may this week draw you closer May it, find, may, it, may it give you opportunity to give your cares to the Lord and trust that he's caring for you and for all those you love. And may your week feel a little more resilient. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us.